Good morning, Life Community Church. You doing all right this morning? All right, I'm excited. We're going to get into the Word here in a minute. Like Pastor Dylan said, if it's your first time here, we want to welcome you. We are so excited you found our family this morning. We're wild and crazy. we got a few nuts sprinkled around. But we love you, and we want you to be a part of it. Amen. It's okay. We can admit it. It's all right. You know who you are. We are glad you're here. Please do us a favor. Don't just be a face in the crowd. Fill out that work. We're not going to, you know, uh, we, we were talking today uh, about insurance, and we were talking about when you look for insurance. Man, those people, they will find you. It don't matter if you're off the grid, have cell service. You could have no bars, and they will text you and say, hey, I heard you were looking for insurance. We are not those people, all right? We're not going to do that. We just want to know you by name. We want to be able to pray for you and send you that Gringo's gift card and just say thank you for coming. So please drop that in the blue buckets uh, this morning. So grateful to come up here and say um, how much we appreciate your giving and your blessings and your kind words during Pastor's Appreciation. Um, It means a lot to us. We love our church. We love you. We love being here. It is a blessing and an honor to be here. So I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of the kindness that you've showed us. Uh, And it's always great to be able to bring the word and to be trusted with this. This is not something I take lightly. Uh, It's something I take very serious and I'm always grateful to be entrusted with it. How many of you know that God loves a cheerful giver? I'm glad you said that because that's what we're talking about today. so I'm not going to spend a lot of time. If you got uh, tithe and offering, please be faithful. I know that that's what God wants. So we got the blue buckets in the back. You can text, the, uh, uh, text to give. You can give on the app. All those different ways for you to give have been made convenient for you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want to dive in because there's a lot to go over. So if you got your Bibles, turn them on, open them up. 1 Kings 17, 8. How about them strows, man? I, I thought I was going to have some people representing in here today. I was like, I'll be okay. I can wear this shirt today. I got, I got one here. We got, come on, John's here. It's okay. There's Billy in the back. All right, so we're doing okay. We got a few. We got a few. The real fans. The real fans. It's okay. It's fine. We can, there might be a few of us, but we're mighty. Um, First Kings, we're talking about, we're continuing with the series Pastor had on multiplication. How many of you in here, you can say, I want a multiplied blessing in my life? I see y'all's hands. We're going to see if we see those hands by the end of this sermon, all right? I'm going to tell you, I didn't get a whole lot of amens this morning, did I, Pastor Glenn? It was a quiet crowd. It was rough. It was rough. Uh, So we're going to see, because here's the deal. There is a process for that multiplied blessing. There's a process. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take the story that Pastor Allen's been sharing with us, the feeding of the 5,000. And we're going to talk about a widow woman. And we're going to talk about uh, 1 Corinthians a little bit. And we're going to tie them together. And we're going to see what is the process for me to get a multiplied blessing. All right? Let's do this. Let's dive into the Word. 1 Kings 17.8 is uh, called the widow of Zarephath. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. It's talking about Elijah. It says, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar, a little oil in a jug, Now I am gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. I'm going to be honest with you. I felt really stupid this weekend. 
because I am preparing for this and I read that and I've read that for years and I always wondered why would she eat sticks? <laughs> She's making a fire. <laughs> That's why we study. Um, and Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you've said, but first make me a cake of it, bring it to me, and afterwards make yourself and your son something. Isn't that like a man? Uh, and he says, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word the Lord had spoke by Elijah. Let's pray this morning. Father, we just give you today, Lord, I am nothing without you, Lord. And Father, I am just your servant this morning. So Father, help me speak this message, Father. And I pray, Lord, it falls, Father, on people that are willing and ready to hear. And that, Father, this would be multiplied in our spirit and your word would become alive today in the name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Children are a blessing. Amen. Amen. I tell myself that every day around six o'clock when I pull in the driveway before I go in. I'm like, children are a blessing. Children are a blessing. Children are a blessing. We had a few days off a week before last. We took a week off and uh, we did a staycation. Anybody do a staycation? We didn't choose it. It chose us. All right. Have you seen how expensive everything is? We're like, I'm like, we're staying home. That's what we're doing. Where are we going? Home. Backyard. And, uh, but, you know, we're good parents and we want to provide our children with good experiences and good memories and all that stuff. And so we talked about it and Gentry said, what about the zoo? And it is every dad's dream to take all of their kids and their family downtown Houston and go to the zoo, right? And uh, don't sound stressful. It's a peaceful day, right? And so... I said, you need to give me a few days, and then, yeah, let's do the zoo. Because it takes some preparation. Anybody that's got kids, it ta- I need a day to think about it and process it in my mind, all the stuff that's going to happen, and I'll be ready to go that day. I'll, I'm going to have a good attitude, and I'll look forward to it. And I did. I was ready. I was like, we're going to get you pictures, and the kids are going to love it, and there's elephants and zoos and drafts and all this stuff. And so... We go to downtown, and we got all the kids ready, and we get them all loaded up, and we got all their stuff, and all their junk, and, you know, the stroller won't fit in the back of the car, and you know how it goes. And, and so we get everything loaded, we get all the kids loaded, everybody's in a good mood, and we get down there, and as soon as I pull in, I see a school bus. <laughs> and then another school bus. And another school bus. I was like, oh, not on field trip day, man, come on. And I told you, I was like, hey, we tried you know, we tried, and we'll just, you know, maybe there's another day next year, they'll have something. And she's like, no. She's like, the kids are yelling for the zoo. We're here. So I was like, all right. So, of course, we go, and every parent had to be a chaperone that day. So we got to park in the very back. And, and so we go all the way back there, and she's getting frustrated because I'm trying to find a front parking spot because that's what me as men do. And I'm trying to find, I'm like, just take a minute. She's going to leave here in just a second. They never leave. They're still getting their junk together. And so we finally just park in the back, and we get everything out, get all the snacks out, get the kids out. I mean, come on, you know where we're going with this. It's, it's going to be a good day, but there's going to be a hassle. It's got to be a lot going on. So we get everybody loaded up and all the kids and everybody's happy and we're holding hands. And now we got a five mile trek to the zoo <laughs> that we got to go to. And I'm like, we're going to, there's a squirrel right here and there's some ants and like, we're there, babe. Just let's, I can save us money right now, you know? 
and, and we get to the zoo, and I'll be honest with you, when I, I'm, I'm an introvert at heart. Anybody in here, you understand. When I walked in, I was just, <sighs> it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. It's like, let's do this. I'm ready. And so we go in, and Jetra's like, I got to get a map. And right at the gate, we go to get a map, and somebody's got the map, and then they're reading. In front of the maps, they're reading. I don't know where I should go, darling. I think we got to go here. I'm like, get out of the way. I need a map. You know, like, like oh, it's already there. I'm already there. So, so we start moving, and, and uh, we go. The first one's like a seal or something. I don't know my animals. And, and he's swimming around, and she's talking. But there's construction going on at the zoo, so you can't hear anything. It's like Pastor Dylan this morning. He was like. <laughs> and it was awful. It was awful. I was like, I was like, I know I didn't pay all this money to come here, all that hammering and beating and yell, hollering and all that stuff. And so we finally I was like, let's just move on. We got to move on. I was like, I'm getting upset. I'm getting upset. So we started moving on and and finally, we started getting in some things. And there's birds and fish and stuff. And to a toddler, why don't you see a bird? You see a bird. There's a big bird, there's a little bird. That's all you got. But once there's a bird, there's a bird. It don't matter the color thing. Like, oh, look, it's a red one. Yeah, that's cool. Next. And so they're just ready. We're up next, next. I'm like, all right. It's not going how I wanted. You know, I was like, oh, daddy, look. You know, you look for those big things. And we weren't getting that. And so then we, we kept going and we kept doing stuff. And they're having a little fun. They're running around. You know, it's, it's a day. And so then we turn the corner. And, it's, and the zoo has like this cave that you walk in, and I guess they made it like an outdoor cave, and you can go in, and it's an aquarium, and there's fish everywhere, and it's really cool. But as soon as I turned the corner, there they were, the moms of the field trip. (laughs) Fanny packs and spandex everywhere. (laughs) And I'm on me on, I stopped, I was like, no, Jesus. I, was, I, thought, I said, there's got to be a bypass. There's got to be something. Like, I will climb this mountain and get over this. There's got to be a way. And just said, we got to go through it. And the kids are excited. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, all of them, they're trying to outdo each other because they read something in a magazine about how little Billy. And so they're all sitting out there, you know, and there's one woman. She's got like 10 kids, and they're going everywhere. And, and so it's just like, all right, I got this, Lord. The patience, patience is mine. Patience is a virtue. It's a fruit. Lord, I got to have all the fruit and patience. So we go in there, and, we're, and they're running around. And, and there was one lady, she decided that the whole zoo closed down for her. And, uh, and I love moments like these personally because I'm like, oh, yes, Lord, you have sent this person in my life right now to do something with her, Lord. And, and so her and her boy, Skylar, I got to know his name. Skylar uh, is down there, and they got this little cave part where the kids can go down. It's really small, but they, it makes them feel like they're in a cave. And so... Uh, she's down there and she thinks nobody else is around. There's people everywhere and she wants to get the perfect picture of little Skylar. And, and Memphis says, Daddy, can I go down there? I said, absolutely you can. <laughs> get down there. Notice that me too? I said, Abs- everybody, let's all go down here. And they were perfect. They got down there and that woman started taking me there. Nona was like this. Just all in the way of everything, and, and I let it go for a few minutes. It was, I was like, all right, this is bringing me a little bit more comfort, and, and it's just, it, it, come on, it makes my day, people like that. They're just oblivious to their surroundings, and then I go down there, I'm like, all right, y'all get out of the ladies' picture, and then Nona spills her snack everywhere, and we're just getting judged hardcore. There's Fritos everywhere, and she's stepping on them as we're going. I'm like, we're littering the zoo. I'm pretty sure that's like a felony in Houston now, and so we, we get through that, and we, we go to something else, and then the 
zoo, I guess, hates parents, so they have found a way to have like this light-up pad with music going on, and that was the best thing at the zoo that day. Was the, they called it a dance party. That's what the kids called it, dance party. And anytime a parent, you know this, and you go somewhere like this, and the kids are running around, you're like, oh no, what's going to happen? Are they going to bump their heads? Are they going to run into somebody? So you're already tense and stressed, and then on top of everything, you're like, what parent is going to come talk to me about their kid? <laughs> you know, like... <gasps> I don't want to have a play date with you. I don't want to know you. I just want my kids to run around a little bit and tear out, you know. And so we got that, and they had fun, and we had to, like, pull them away from it. We got them on the carousel. Memphis hated it. I was the only parent that couldn't ride the horse or the zebra or anything because he was scared he was going to fall off. And I'm pretty sure I was being judged because we're sitting there, like, on the bench riding the carousel. And uh, I'm like, get on that draft right now. Get on that draft. I don't want to get on the draft. Get on the draft. And... And, you know, I'm like, look at that little kid. He, he's getting on the draft. You punk, get on the draft. And, and he's like, I'm not doing it. So we're just sitting there. I'm like, this is lame, you know. And then Nona's up there just having a great time, you know. And so we get away from that. And then we start seeing the lions and the bears. And all they can think about is a stupid dance party that I could recreate with a karaoke machine and a couple flashlights. And I'm like, I spent all this money for that. And there's people everywhere. And there's stuff going on. So we work around back to the dance party. They have fun. And then we go to the elephants. And I'm like, wow, these massive elephants. He's like, Daddy, I got to pee. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, are you serious? And I've never been to the zoo. I don't know where the bathrooms are. I don't know what they look like. But I know everything's got a shape. So I'm like, when you're potty training and you go to just undies, you, you're on the clock. Like, you got to move. Because if they go to the restroom, then you got to get out the pants and you got to change them and you got to find a place. And it's, it's a lot of work. So we are... <laughs> shuffling, shuffling through the zoo. And I'm like, I don't know, is it shaped like a zebra? Or does it, is it kind of come out at me? Is it in the bamboo? I don't know what to look for. I don't know how I'm going to get back. We find it finally. And then we go back and Gentry's nowhere to be found. I guess she thought it was a good idea to just leave and not tell me. The phones aren't working. And so we're going through trying to, I'm like, it is time. You know, you know, come on, parents know this. It's time to go. It's time to go. We've done everything we had to do. We took the pictures. The kids are, you know, like whatever. And so it's, it's it's time to go. And um, it was just a crazy wild day like it was supposed to be. But, you know, we got done. And I'll be honest with you, going back to our truck, I was just very grateful for what God had given me. Amen. 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 And in the chaos of life, sometimes we forget about the great things God has given us. Right. And I was just so, you know, it's just a, it, was a, it was just a crazy moment. We're just walking back. Gentry's pushing Henry. I'm, I got Leona on my, on my neck, and she's just looking at all the stuff. And, and I got my little boy's hand, and we're just walking. And it's just a moment where you're just thankful for what God's given you. Amen. And I asked Memphis, I said, do you have fun? He said, no, not really, Daddy. <laughs> I said, what? I told him, I said, I will go back and throw you in the lion's cage right now. I said, you better find a way you had fun. And then he, he said, well, I did like the rhino butts. And he did like this. <laughs> you turd, man. He sure did. He said, no, nah, I have fun today, Daddy. Like, that's fine. I'll save me money next time. We can go to the park outside in our backyard. <laughs> you know, you can be at four years old and ungrateful. But how many of you know God loves grateful people? That's right. And God loves a cheerful giver. So I want you to do something for me. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to open them up to first, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. I think it said 1 Corinthians. I meant 2. And we're going to go into this scripture, but I want you to understand this. 
and listen to me before you shut your ears off and you're like, I don't want to listen to this. We're talking about giving, but we're not talking about tithing. Okay? And we're not talking about just money. I know as soon as the pastor says money, all of a sudden we're like, click, nope. Uh, listen, don't do that to me this morning. Listen, we're talking about a way for you to get a multiplied blessing this morning. And I do not want you to feel left out. So listen to it this morning. Here's what 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. We could shut the whole day down right there if we want to talk about giving. But it continues and it says, each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not out of regret or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That scripture is telling us a lot. But what it says is, I want you to give generously and I want you to be cheerful about it. Those two things don't normally go together. Because I pay my taxes every year and I give generously, but I don't give cheerfully. I don't send a thank you note to the IRS. I don't do it. Every February and March rolls around, you can tell Gentry, I'm not a happy person. But God wants us to give generously and cheerfully. And it goes on and it says, and don't give out of feeling guilty. Don't give out of compulsion and don't feel bad about it. Have you ever given something and then you felt bad you gave it? Come on, we can be real in here. We're real people. You gave something, you're like, man, I could have used that, you know. I should have kept that for me, you know. You gave your family some money, like, that dude, he ain't going to do nothing with it anyways. He's so broke and he don't know how to spend no money. And, you know, we start thinking about that. We go back and God doesn't want us to do that. God wants us to be givers and then it's done. God doesn't want us to be compelled and pushed and feel guilty. I remember growing up and I would hear the pastor saying, if you just give this morning, then God's going to bless you and it's going to roll over. <laughs> That's not how God wants us to give. Where somebody's up here trying to make us feel guilty. Like it's, you remember those old commercials with the dogs? And it was like the dog adoption. And it's like late at night. And they got like the raggediest looking mutt that looked like it came out of some no crazy neighborhood, you know, with like one leg like this, like, you know. And in the background, Sarah McLaughlin is just in the arms of an angel. And just like, if you just give $19.95, we'll say foo foo. And, and it's, come on, God don't want your giving to be like that. God don't want your giving to be like that where we got to do all those things and we got to feel guilty. God wants you to give generously and cheerfully because you want to. That's what God wants from our lives. The other thing I noticed about this verse is there's never an amount. If you will give 1995, no, it's not in there. What does that mean? Listen, this ain't a rich people thing. This ain't got nothing to do about wealth. Because when we read that, we think, oh, that's for the wealthy folks. That's not for me. <laughs> Lord, there is no abundance, so you don't have to worry about it. That's not what that scripture is about. It says give generously. 
What's generous for you may not be generous for me. What's generous for me may just be extra for you. You see, that term generous is a subjective term. Because when we read about Jesus and he's in the temple and he's seeing the men give and they're giving and they're writing these checks and they're throwing hundreds and they're just giving all this money. And then here comes this little woman. She don't have much to give, but she gives it all. And Jesus says she's given more than all of these guys. Why? Because she gave everything. These guys, they had a lot. They could write big checks because they had it. They had a lot. It wasn't hurting them. But Jesus knew that the woman was giving everything. You see, when we give generous, it's not about the amount. It's not about your wealth. It's about being generous with what you have. But why do we struggle with the cheerful part? Because that's the part where I struggle sometimes. I can give to you. But then I'm like, man, I could have used that, man. Them kids need shoes. We had to go to the zoo. You know, a chicken strip there is like $18. I mean, it's I could have used that money, you know. Come on, we struggle with the cheerfulness part sometimes. Sometimes we can begrudgingly say, I know I need to do it, but I don't want to. That's not cheerful. We struggle with the cheerful part. And many times it's because we're controlling Many times it's because we're consumed with worry and stress because we're thinking, oh, what if something happens? What if I need all my resources? I need all my stuff. And, and man, I'm going to tell you, we as a people are just consumers. Come on. We are just consumers. I want more. I want more. I want more. I need this and I need that. And what we do is then we say, oh, I need extra because then I need a plan B and I need a plan C. And what if happens? And before you know it, we got all this stuff. And what happens is when we give... We say, okay, I got all this stuff. I got a little bit extra here. I got a little extra here. And I got a little extra here. They can have that. That is what we call a calculated giver. Because you've calculated everything you've had. And then you took what extra you had and gave it. That's not generously giving. That's not it. Giving is not like that at all. And a person that gets a multiplied blessing cannot be a calculated giver. Come on, this ain't, this, I know I should have added jokes. This should have been a good time today. But I'm telling you the Bible this morning. This is word right here. You cannot be a calculated giver and get a multiplied blessing. But it's easy when things are going right. When I got extra, man, some, there are times that we got extra. It's not a big deal. I'll, we can give here. We can bless there. We can do this. We can do that. And it's not about then. It's about when things get hard. It's about when the car breaks down. It's about when the washer and dryer ain't acting right. The refrigerator ain't acting right. The kids need shoes. The bills are coming in. Taxes are due. Christmas is coming up. Can you be a cheerful giver when things get tight? We're not talking about the giving today when you have everything's going right. We're talking about the hard part. We're talking about the tough stuff. Can you still be a cheerful giver when all you have is all you have left? So we go back to Jesus and the disciples and the 5,000. Jesus has been ministering all day. The disciples have been working all day. I mean, imagine thousands of people 
and they're taking care of them. And you know how people are. They're not sitting down. They're loud. Somebody's yelling in the back and they don't have speakers at, at, during that time. So you got to sit down and shut up and be quiet so you can hear Jesus. And so they're having to work the crowd all day. They are exhausted. They are tired. And they tell Jesus, hey, wrap it up. It's time. It's time, Jesus. Like, we get it. You know, you're not dying tomorrow. We can still continue this. Like, it's, you, we got more. And, and they're saying, wrap it up. We're hungry. They're hungry. We're tired. They're tired. Everybody's tired. And Jesus says, oh, they're hungry? You feed them. Jesus, you see these thousands of people. Have you ever been at work and you've watched the hours go by 9, 10, 11. All right, I'm going to eat lunch. That'll take 30 minutes to an hour. And then after I get back, I'm going to work a little bit. And then I'm going to play on my phone a little bit. And then I'm going to YouTube a little bit. And then I'm gonna... I don't do this. I work all day, Pastor. I work all day. But some of us, well, you know how it is. And we're not, you just get, to, and you're watching that clock click. And it, you're close, man. You're right there. It's 445. It's 450. And you start packing your stuff up. And the boss comes in and says, hey, if we check this and that and stuff, you know, we're going to have to get that done before we leave. It's like, where were you four hours ago? You know? Come on. If it breaks, when's it going to break? At the end of the day. I always, we can, I'm going, it's clockwork. It's clockwork. If something breaks at this church, it's on Friday on my day off. Every stinking, tell me I'm lying. Every time. If an AC goes out, it's during kids camp. It's before wow. It's always on that time. And here Jesus is. Jesus is the boss. He says, hey, we're going to work late today, boys. Now, picture, these are real people. We're not just telling stories. These are real people. Imagine the disciples saying, man, this is Jesus. You know, forget this. You know, I don't need this. I'm working late. I've been out here all day taking care of all these stupid people and all their stuff. And, and they all needy and need something. And come on. And here they are. And Jesus is asking them to give more, even though they've given everything they got. Oh, Lord, it's hard. I'm tired. I'm, I've, I've, we've been working all day. And it says, yeah, we're going to give a little bit more today. And then here's where we go back into the story of the widow, because this is where they tie together. This widow is at home, and she's going through a hard time. It's a hard season. There's a drought on the land. There's no food. There's a little bit of water. It's a dry season for her. And she only has a little bit of oil left and a little bit of flour. The word says she's out there and she's gathering sticks, not to eat them, but to build a fire. And the word says that she's getting ready to make herself some food and die. She has nothing. We're not talking about a plan B. She has nothing left. They're eating the rest of their food and then they're just going to wait to die and starve to death. Have you ever waited on a miracle so long you never thought it was going to happen? Amen. Have you ever waited on a breakthrough, a prayer? You've prayed year after year after year, and you're wondering, God, where are you? Where are you at? I'm waiting. I need something. I've prayed about it. I've done everything I'm supposed to. Where's my breakthrough? And God ain't shown up for you yet. That's where this woman is. That's where she is. And here comes Elijah. Here comes Elijah. And he looks at her and he says, go ahead and go make your bread. 
Go ahead and do what you were doing. But first, but first, give me some. I'd have been like, you fool, get off my property. I'd have got the water hose, get off my property, you crazy fool. You ain't taking my food. It's all I got left. Can you imagine the headlines on that? Local pastor eats widow's last meal. I told, I told first, it, nowadays with our media, it'd be like, Trump supporting climate change denying pastor eats widow's last meal. Like, it'd be, it'd be extremely exaggerated. They would love it. And he says, yeah, go and make me something first, and then you can make something for yourself. What a jerk. <laughs> but Elijah knew something about the process of multiplication. Elijah knew the same thing that Jesus knew. Multiplication will always require sacrifice. Multiplication will always require sacrifice. I lost some of you, didn't I? You're like, I just want the blessing, Pastor Calvin. (laughs) I want the multiplied blessing. It comes with sacrifice. And sacrifice is not easy during hard times. What do you do when all you have is all you have left? Anybody ever been there? Come on, show of hands. You ever been there? You ain't had nothing. You didn't have to worry about losing nothing because there wasn't nothing there. Ginger told me one time, she's like, you're going to lose your wallet. I'm like, what they going to do? They going to be mad. <laughs> they going to be mad. They can't even go through Starbucks and get a coffee. They going to be mad. That's fine. And when we say we didn't have nothing, the truth is, is we had a little. And God can do miracles with little things. Amen. Come on, we're getting in the message now. God can do miracles with little things. Because what we think is nothing, God says, that's all I need. That's all I need. I just need a little. God will use the dollar store stuff of life to do some miracles in your life. Do you know that? God will be looking through the clearance rack saying, oh, I can use this. You know? We think, ah, that's nothing. We got to be faithful with the small things. There's a story that Jesus shared. It's the, called the parable of the talents. And Jesus says there was a master, and he was leaving to go on a trip. And so he got three servants. He said, I'm going to leave you in charge of my wealth. And he gave one servant five talents, another servant two talents, and another servant one. He said, when I come back, you take care of my money. When I come back, we're going to talk about it. So he went on his trip, and he came back. And he asked the person that he gave the five talents to, he says, what did you do with my money? He said, I took it and I invested it. And now you don't have five, but you got ten. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with small, I will put you over much. If you want a multiplied blessing, you've got to be a faithful giver. That's fine. You don't have to shout on that. Just listen, Lord help them. All right, we'll go to the second guy. The first guy wasn't that popular. Let's go to the second guy and see what he did. He said, what would you do? He said, I took your money. I gave it away. I invested it. And now you don't have two talents. You have four. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with small. 
I will put you over much. If you want a multiplied blessing, you have to be a faithful giver. Okay, that one didn't hit either. Let's go to the last one. That's okay. The last one said, he said, what would you do with my money? He said, I took it, and I was a little worried, you know, that I'd lose it, and I wouldn't have nothing, and then, you know, there was stuff coming up, and, and I was worried, you know, you're a hard person, and I know you expect a lot out of this, and so I just buried it, and that way you didn't lose it. So here it is. He said, you lazy, wicked person. Come on, that's Bible. You lazy, wicked person. God will multiply a multiplier. God will multiply those who multiply what they've been given. Because that's the way it works, is God will come and give you a little something, let you be faithful with it, and then bless you tenfold. But what happens when God gives you something and you don't do nothing with it? The word says you are wicked and lazy. I'm sorry, that's Bible. I didn't come here to preach. That's what God put in my heart. Don't be mad at me. Be mad at him. That's what he said. Is those that don't do anything with what they've been given, even if it's a little thing, they are wicked and lazy. In order to receive a multiplied blessing, you've got to be a giver. You've got to give. Isn't that backwards? God, God's always doing backwards stuff with us. I'm like, first I'm like, God, I don't like that person. I can't stand that person. I'm going to get them. And God's like, don't get them. Love them and forgive them and pray for them. I'm like, God, that don't work like that. I got to get them. You don't understand the way things work down here, God. I don't know how they are up there and here, but down here we get them. And, and God's like, no, you love them and you pray for them. And you, I don't like that. God, I want eternal life. Well, then you need to die. What? God, that is backwards. What are you talking about? You know, come on, I'm speaking truth this morning. And now he's saying, if you want a big blessing, you got to be a big giver. That's, come on, that's where we got to change our heart. Because really what I want to do is just keep it. Keep it. Keep it. And God's saying, give it. Give it. Give it. God uses Small things. Many times God will give us something and we don't think there's much value in it. But God uses insignificant things in our life to be miracles and breakthroughs in our life. And truly, I believe God uses insignificant things to humble us. I had this illustration shown to me a long time ago and I I thought it was really cool. Me and Nona Bear were uh, eating apples this morning. And she loves apples and grapes. And uh, so when we sat down, I'm going to lose all my apple seeds. Uh, I lost half of them this morning. I got a handful of apple seeds, and when I look at this, it's not much, right? I wanted more. The apples everywhere. I can go get apple seeds. They're, they're not worth a whole lot. But I like apples. So when I look at these seeds, I think, maybe I'll plant an apple tree. I like apples. I'll go out back. I'll dig a hole. Now you lost me. I don't want to dig holes. I don't like doing that. That sounds like a lot of work. Then I think about it, well, then I got to water it, and I got to take care of it, and I got to make sure it don't, you know, die during the freeze, and then, then I got to make sure, you know, that Memphis don't run it over with this tractor, and that the squirrels don't get to it, and then I got to, I'll probably just buy a bag of apples at H-E-B, right? When I look at this, it looks like a lot of work, 
It looked like pain and sweat and hard things and stuff. I don't want to do none of this. I'll just go buy my apples. I just want it quick and easy. I don't want to do any of the work for it. And so we think there's no worth in this. But the Word of God says that God does not see as we do. Amen? God doesn't see things like we do. So when God sees stuff like this, He doesn't just see seeds. I see work. I see pain. I see hardship. I don't want to do it. I'll be like, I'll tell you like my one-year-old, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want this. This seems like a lot of work. It seems like sweat and pain and hardship. I don't want it. But when God sees this, he doesn't just see the seed. He sees the harvest. He sees the purpose of everything. We see a seed. God sees an orchard. God can use things that we think are so insignificant. Come on, anybody in here, you don't even know. You might have something at home right now that you don't think nothing of, and God says, I can use that. Got something in your life that you think, ah, there's not a whole lot of value to. And God says, I can use that. God uses what we think is insignificant. It's just bread. It's just fish. It's just oil. It's just flour. Can I tell you something? That's why you got to be grateful for what God's given you. Because you don't know what he's going to use. That's why you have to be grateful for what God has given you because God will show up and you'll think, oh, he might use this and this. And God's like, no, I'm going to use a little bit of this over here. No, I'm going to use this thing that you didn't think was worth anything. I'm going to use that and I'm going to do something crazy in your life. That's why you got to be grateful for what God's given you because some of you are like, I don't know why I didn't get a multiplied blessing today. It's because you're ungrateful. Every time God's given you something, you're like, well, I don't like the color of it and you know... I know I got a good paying job, but I don't like my boss and I don't like my coworkers and and I don't like this and I don't like that. You know, I don't like these clothes and this could be a little bit better and I wish I had a little bit more money. No wonder God ain't blessed you. Why would he give you anything? You ain't grateful for what he has given you. You haven't been faithful with the little things he's given you. Why would he give you more? Isn't that common sense? That's common sense. We ain't going back to the zoo. We'll probably go back. Come on, we have to be grateful. It's not about what you have. It's about how you use what you've been given. Something small. Think about this. That woman, her breakthrough, the resources for her breakthrough was sitting on her kitchen counter. She walked past it every day, and it was sitting right there. Didn't even know about it. Just sitting right there thinking, yeah, we'll have to eat that one day and then we're going to die. Didn't even realize God was going to use something like flour. Wow. Such a small thing. Would have threw it out. I don't even know what to do with flour and and oil. I'd have been trying to make gravy or biscuits out of something. I wouldn't even know how to use something like that. Sitting there. And it was sitting right there. God will start your breakthrough by taking something insignificant and putting it in your hands. I know you think, oh, God, multiply blessing. It's going to be in my driveway on the way home, and it's going to go 0 to 80 in like 3.5 seconds. No, 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 no. There's a process. He takes it, and he puts it in your hands. Look at your hands with me. God's going to put something in your hands this week. Come on. He's going to put something in your hands. It's not going to look like much. It's not going to look like much, but it starts there. Because when we go to the feeding of the 5,000, how do we read it? 
Jesus said, give me that, that fish and bread. And he broke it and he blessed it, which is a big part. He blessed it and then he gave it to. Do we read where Jesus is like, all right, one, two, three, not you, four, five, six. We don't read that. He took the bread, he broke it, he blessed it, and then he gave it to his disciples. They're the ones that had it. And they distribute it to everyone else. God will give you. This woman, all she has is oil and flour. All she has is all she has left. And she's taking the oil. She's got the flour. I, now I'm just making stuff up because I don't know how you make anything out of it. But she's doing whatever she does to do what she does. And there's no plan B. She's not going to pull this back and there'll be groceries everywhere. It's done. What she's doing is she's taking her hands and she's taking all she has and she's about to make something with it and give it away. God will put the resources in your hand, but you got to do something about it. You have to be faithful, you have to be grateful, and then you have to be obedient. Then you have to be obedient. Because I'm going to tell you, just like I said, I would have told him to get lost. I'm like, dude, I don't care what God you serve. That's my stuff. But here she is, being faithful, being grateful, and being obedient. When she's doing this, this is something that I was thinking of as I was reading this too. Because I picture her there and she's making this. You know, she's a single mom. Times are hard. There's a lot of questions probably going through her mind. I don't think she wants to die, but there it is. It is what it is. But as a mom, as a parent, we have hope. It's tight, but I hope we can get through. Come on, you ever been there where all you had was just a little bit of hope? You're like, I'm writing the check, and then, I don't know. We'll see what happens. (laughs) There she is. And she had that little bit of oil and that little bit of flour. And I would think as a mom, she would say, maybe we can make something out of this and make it a few days and then maybe something will happen. Maybe some food will come our way. Maybe somebody will come and bring food or there'll be something and we'll be okay. Maybe. And so when she's making that food for Elijah, she's not just making everything she has. She's making everything that she had hope in. She's making everything she relied on, everything she was putting her faith in, everything that has sustained her in the past, she's about to give away. And now she's going to be fully dependent on God. Can I tell you something? That's how God works. You, You would think, oh man, no, God wouldn't take me there. God loves me. God will take you there. God, I'm telling you from experience, God will take you where you ain't got nothing left but to depend on him. And that is when he says, I can do something now. Now that you're not relying on all that other junk, now I can do something in your life. Come on. How many of you, you've been waiting on a breakthrough, you've been waiting on a miracle, you've been waiting on a prayer to be answered, but you're still holding on to the junk. 
You're still holding on to what you, well, I got to hold on to this. I got to hold on. I got to hold on tight because what if? I got to keep, I got to keep all this stuff and I got to hold on really tight because I need it because, listen, let it go. Let it go. When you let it go, God says, finally, I've been waiting. (laughs) I've had blessings upon blessings upon blessings for you. I was just waiting for you. She's putting all of her hope, all of her dreams, all of everything right there. And the word says in Proverbs 35, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Multiplication, I'm sorry, will always come by sacrifice. That's hard. Anybody want a blessing now? Who wants to multiply a blessing? We got a few, we got a few, okay. I'm not done. Um, I know, this is hard, man. When I was reading this, I was like, Lord, this is not going to be fun. I don't want to do this. Give this to Pastor Allen. What is the point of a multiplied blessing? 2 Corinthians 9.10. We're going to go back there real quick. It says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. Let's stop there. I don't want to go any further. We can leave here on that note because how many of you want to be enriched? Amen? Amen. It was good seeing you. Y'all have a great day. No, that's not true. We got to keep reading because they don't stop there. It sounds good. I like being enriched, but then it goes on. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. You mean to tell me I got to go through all that just to give it away? I got to go through all that process and get that multiplied blessing I've been waiting on and then be generous? I don't like it. I want it for me. Come on. This is where Pastor Allen's been talking about we got to have heart change. That's right. Because in our heart, we want and we need and we want and we need and we want and we need. But we got to give. Come on. As Christians, come on, we're talking about Christianity. If anybody wants to be a Christian this morning, it's to give. It's to be a blesser. That if God has given you something, you should give. If God has blessed you, you should be a blesser. Amen. And God says, I will bless you and bless you abundantly because I want you to be a great giver. That don't sound as fun. I kind of want all of it myself. That's where the heart change comes in. He says, I will give to you. You will be enriched in every way to be generous. And then it keeps going. And it says, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And here's what it says if we keep going. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. The purpose of a multiplied blessing is for you to multiply that blessing in someone else's life. The purpose of a multiplied blessing in someone else's life is to bring glory to God. Amen? Come on, it's tough. I know, it's tough. It's okay. But that's the purpose. You want to multiply blessing? Great. God's going to give you something small. Be faithful with it. Be diligent. Be faithful, grateful, and obedient. God's going to multiply it and then give it away. And then bless somebody else. And then give God glory for it. You mean I don't even get like a high five or something? A thank you note? That's not what we're talking about. 
We're talking about being a cheerful giver. Being a grateful giver. Come on. This is hard. I believe this world needs to change. I believe this world needs to change. I believe I don't like the direction this world is going in. It's too much hate. It's too much division. I don't like it. You want to know what would change it? By the people of God and the church of God being the people of God in the world. By the people of God. Quit putting it on in here. I'm glad you're at church and you're smiling faces. You need to be what you are in here out there, though. You can't come praising this morning and then go chew out your 17-year-old waitress at Gringo's. Come on. You got to be a blesser. I'm going to challenge you. You ready? I'm going to challenge you. This is the hard part. Bless somebody today. Bless somebody today. You didn't hear me. The person in the back didn't hear me. Bless somebody today. Do it. I want you to do it. Do it. Don't think about it. You're already thinking about it. You're like, well, not. Quit with the whales. You want to multiply blessing? Be a blesser. Be a multiplier. You want to multiply? Be a multiplier. Do those things. It's not much. It don't matter that it's not much. Do you know what God can do with a little bit of something? He can multiply it. Do you know what this world would be if Christians started being Christians in the world and started blessing other people? Don't worry about their faith. Don't worry about what they look like or what their sexual orientation. I don't care about none of that. Just bless people, amen? Be a blessing to people this morning. I want you to do something. When you go to your restaurant, I want you to tip your waitress 50, 100%. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I'm going to let God deal with you. I'm going to let God deal with you. You're like, that's fine. I'm getting an appetizer, and that's it. Chips and dip. Don't mess around. God knows your heart. God knows your heart. Come on. Do something unexpected. Do something you wouldn't do. Do something that stretches you a little bit. Buy somebody's meal. I don't care if they got 10 kids. Buy it and tell them on the receipt, God loves you. I love you. Be blessed. Done. Done. Do it. Do it. All right? Do it. I'm not stretching out service. I'm just trying to get to all the hard-headed people. Do it. Do it. Wives, make them do it. I know they're cheap. I'm cheap myself. Make them do it because this is where the floodgates of heaven will open. When you bless, bless them. This is where it happens. This is where change will happen. This is where our world. It isn't coming. I'm going to tell you, Joe ain't got the solution, and Mr. Trump ain't got the solution. The solution is in our blessing. It's in our giving. It's in our blessing. Amen. Father, I pray right now, Father, you challenge us to be blessers and be multipliers. Father, that we will leave this room, and Father, we will do it. Father, convict us in our heart. Father, if there's anything in our heart right now that says, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to be a blesser. I'm not going to be a giver. I'm not doing it. Father, Lord, you have given us so much. Father, your word says you've given us your only son. Father, you've given everything. How dare for us to hold on to the little bit that you've given us, to the little bit of things that we have. Father, give us the power and the strength to give. Father, let us be a blessing today. And I pray in the name of Jesus that your name will be glorified because of it. Father, I pray for a harvest to come from the little things that are given today. I pray for a harvest in the name of Jesus. People are going to come in this church that didn't know you ever before just because they were blessed by somebody in this church. Father, help us be a blessing today in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I love you, God. Hey, hey, do it. Do it. Do it. God bless you. Go do it.